It's my pleasure to introduce someone who will be sharing her insights on applying for and securing uh, some of the most important and prestigious scholarships for undergraduate and graduate study. When she was young, her family had to flee their homeland, Pakistan, for their lives after her father was arrested. Her parents were both physicians in a rural area, but vandals destroyed their clinic. What was their crime? They belonged to the Ahmadi branch of Islam, a persecuted minority. Here in New York, they could safely walk the streets, be entitled to the same respect as any other resident, and practice their religion as they desired. Zuzaja attended public schools and graduated from Brooklyn Technical High School. Like so many talented immigrants, she came to CUNY majoring in history while also taking pre-medical courses. She earned her bachelor's degree with honors at Macaulay Honors College at Brooklyn College in 2011. She won several scholarships that supported her studies, but the big one came as she graduated, a Rhodes Scholarship, perhaps the top academic award in the world for graduate study. Off she went to Oxford University in England. There she earned a master's in the history of science, medicine, and technology. Her thesis continued research that she had started with her bachelor's thesis into the history of science and medicine in Pakistan from independence to military rule. She is now close to completing a doctorate in the history of medicine at Oxford, looking into the political economy of, of health in South Asia. She's examining how the relationship between governments and their citizens affect the practice of medicine and public health. And if that wasn't impressive enough, she is also a second-year student at Harvard Medical School. Wow. Wow. What a story. This really is the great CUNY story. Zuzaja has taught history to undergraduates at Brooklyn College, published in scientific peer-reviewed journals, and edits an intellectual filter blog called Three Quarks Daily, which curates materials from around the web, ranging from science to art to public affairs. She hasn't yet said what area of medicine she will pursue, but she foresees a future that values primary care and social justice, advocacy, and perhaps work in healthcare policy. Whatever she does, we will be proud of her. Please welcome Zuzaja Takir. Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, as you just heard about me, uh, I'm currently in medical school, and I just, I just happened to finish neurology. And one of the things that you learn when you cut open the brain is that the area where memory consolidation happens is right next to the area where that controls your emotions. And so I have a terrible memory, but the one thing I remember vividly is my Rhodes experience, because it was probably the most emotionally taxing thing I've gone through in my academic experience. Um, I know most of you here have a wealth of experience uh, working with scholarship candidates, working with scholarship foundations, whereas what I have are some memories and some insights that I've gained from reflection since. So what I hope you'll permit me to do is be a bit idealistic and a bit philosophical. Um, applying for the roads is, is, you know, requires a lot of idealism, so I hope this keeps with the theme. Um, so the substance of what I want to talk about is my experience in applying for the roads. The short story is that I applied for the Rhodes because my politics professor in undergrad, Corey Robin, 
told me I should apply for the roads. The long story is that I applied for the roads because I was privileged enough to be able to. I grew up in a household with two parents who were very highly educated, both English speaking. I'd been trained to know from a very young age that I was supposed to seek extracurricular activities and volunteer experiences in my academic experience. I was in the Macaulay Honors College and I was given a tremendous amount of financial support to do lab work, uh, to study abroad, to study the arts, music, the humanities. I was in the BAMD program at Brooklyn College where I was guaranteed admission into medical school so I didn't have to worry too much about my grades and I could take courses in philosophy, politics, and history. Every single one of these things is important to acknowledge, not only because I was asked about every single one of these things in my Rhodes interview, but also because it's important to recognize that when we talk about diversity and scholarships, within that diversity, there is a certain amount of privilege that candidates like myself have. The point that I want to make is that applying for a prestigious scholarship is not just about being recognized for your academic achievement or being recognized by your professor. It's the culmination of a series of decisions that enable you to seek the opportunity to apply for such scholarships. When I was a freshman, I vaguely knew the existence about the roads because Macaulay had held uh, an event called Meet the Foundations. I don't remember a lot from that event. I remember two things. One. I was sure I was never, ever going to apply for one of those, the Rhodes, the Marshall, or the Mitchell. Um, and secondly, the only thing I remember was one of the presenters there. She was there on behalf of the Rhodes. And the reason I remember her was because she was from Brooklyn College. She was the only person um, that made an impact because it was someone who was real to me. Fast forward to my junior year at Brooklyn College, I got an email that said any junior with a GPA above a 3.5 should consider applying for the Rhodes, the Marshall, the Mitchell. I ignored that email. <laughs> Had I not been trained from a very young age to seek extracurricular activities, volunteer experiences, build relationships with my professors, I would not, by the time I was a senior, have been able to apply for the Rhodes. Many parents, many Parents of people who go to CUNY are like my parents. They have no idea what the Rhodes is, and they don't know why you would go do graduate degree in the UK when there are perfectly good universities in America. In retrospect, I think it would have been beneficial if all students received some kind of orientation into the scholarships that students at their campuses have gotten so that they feel that not only these scholarships are out there, but that they too are able to get these scholarships, that people at their universities have received these scholarships. They can then know how to seek academic advisement over the next four or however many years it takes them to earn their degree in order to be able to apply by the time they, by the time they are seniors. Likewise, students with particular volunteer activities or particular extracurricular activities on campus can be reached out to in a personalized way to be told of the opportunities that are available to them. The reason why I'm pointing this out is because, for me, just being aware of the roads was not enough. I never felt that I was eligible to apply for the roads, that I had the right to apply for a scholarship like the roads. It took a page-long email from Corey Robin to convince me that while it was a long shot, I was someone who could apply, and if I did, it would change my life, which it did. 
as he said. <laughs> in my first year at Oxford, I attended a talk given by Nan Cohane, a distinguished visiting professor at Princeton and a former uh, president of Duke and Wellesley. She had carried out a survey of Rose applicants at Princeton, and what she found was that out of the male applicants, half had been told by a professor to apply for the Rhodes, and half had applied of their own volition thinking they were worthy candidates for Rhodes Scholarship. Every single one of the female candidates had been told by a white male professor that she should apply for a Rhodes Scholarship. My situation was no different from that. The reason why I bring this up is not to rail against the politics of gender and race in this short little speech, but rather to bring up the implicit biases that exist. My education for over a decade has been funded by white male colonialists and capitalists, so I, don't, I hold no grudges. <laughs> but I think that when we talk about scholarships and promoting diversity, we have to acknowledge the implicit barriers that exist. We have to talk about gender in the classroom. We have to talk about previous academic training. We have to talk about access to information and resources. I'll return to these points later, but before I do, I just want to hit on one more point one more aspect that it takes to apply for a prestigious scholarship, along with awareness and eligibility. And that thing is arrogance. Applying for a scholarship is a very arrogant moment where you say, I am special and I deserve to apply or win this scholarship. It arises out of a greater awareness of one's place in the world. Now that's something that the liberal arts curriculum is supposed to inculcate in us, but it also requires the luxury of time it requires not having to worry about your family's financial status. It requires not having to worry about your immigration status. And so for me, my recognition of my special place in the world rested on understanding that my immigrant experience was quite unique. Now a CUNY doesn't seem very unique, but in the grand scheme of American life, it is very unique. And I recognize that my academic progress was very closely tied to my social progress. CUNY's identity is intimately tied up with what makes CUNY students so special. Being a public university, being a public university in New York, being a public university in New York with a majority uh, student population of students of color gives CUNY a very, very special mission in the context of American life, something that most other universities do not share. By opening up discussions of by opening up the discussion of CUNY's special mission on campuses, we can empower individual students to recognize their own special narrative, the individual reflection of their place in the world. This is what the scholarship application requires. It requires you to develop a narrative that you leverage for financial or academic support. CUNY, because of what it specifically sets out to do, can help students develop that part of themselves. So to get back to the difficult challenges that I laid out earlier about how to help students who have a narrative if only they could realize it and apply it. These are the people that I think the CUNY administration can help. Not students like myself who know how to find the professors that they need or who have resources through Macaulay or through other programs. The best advice that I've been given is by a road secretary on how to get 
more successful candidates on college campuses. And what he said is, flat out, you just need to have people applying for more scholarships. By applying for many scholarships, you not only hone your narrative and interviewing skills, which will help you when you get to the road stage, but more broadly, improve student outcomes overall for a huge swath of the student population. It gives additional training to students who have disadvantages when applying for such scholarships. Female students can gain confidence by applying first for scholarships targeted to women leaders. They can gain mentors who will then become one of the eight recommenders you need to apply for a Rhodes. Students who value volunteer experience can get experience applying for small grants that they can then use to apply for National Science Foundation funding or they can use for a Gates Cambridge scholarship. Students who immigrated during high school and may not have applied for Macaulay can apply for small departmental scholarships or opportunities through campus centers and get the financial support to then do lab work, to then study abroad, to then apply for a Rhodes. Flat out, I'm very anxious about getting more CUNY students in the interview rooms of the Marshall, the Rhodes, and the Mitchell. Our applicants stand out, and it's unavoidable. When I went for my Rhodes interview, there were nine other applicants, seven of whom were from Ivy League universities. Every single scholar from the New York district from which I was selected, every single scholar since I was selected, including the person I was selected from, has been either from Harvard, Princeton, or Yale. We should leverage rather than repudiate what makes CUNY special relative to other universities. Other students are considered privileged because of access to the social and financial capital that comes with going to a privileged elite university. But I've only come to realize what a privileged experience it is to be a New Yorker and go to a university with the kind of student population we have, which makes me ordinarily sympathetic to issues of social justice and to, value, and to the value of public institutions in American life and in the value of public institutions in making America more egalitarian. That's why CUNY's mission, which is to provide edu education as a platform for immigrants, for people from low economic backgrounds, and other disadvantaged populations, this mission should empower its amazing student body through prestigious scholarships, and at the same time, promote CUNY's ethos in the boardrooms of these foundations. The ethos of cosmopolitanism, of diversity, and the exposure to public institutions and public service. That's all I have to say for today. Thank you so much for being a great audience.